Welcome to the Road to Ironman 2020, Becoming a Better Me. This is the six-month journey of three novices, Gerard, Christine and Renzo, taking on what is arguably one of the toughest endurance races of all time. Full Ironman takes place in Port Elizabeth on the 29th of March 2020. The distances covered are 3.8 km swim, in the sea, a 180-kilometer bike ride, and a 42-kilometer run. And you can follow our journey on this podcast series, and of course you can follow us individually on our social media platforms on Instagram and Facebook. Enjoy this episode. Hello everybody, welcome back. We're, we're excited to bring you the, the next episode of our podcast series, and what we're going to be talking about today is how we got going. Now, how did we go from the idea of starting and or doing an Ironman and actually getting to an Ironman? And uh, and all of the difficult decisions that we that we needed to make and, and all of the information that we needed to find. So um, for me, it really was literally from getting off the couch to to getting to to Ironman. With that, uh, as I said in a previous episode with that uh, half iron man between so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it out to you two first oh. uh, Christine, how did, what were the first steps that you took to get going yeah, what, what, what you, it's quite daunting eh? yeah um, i'm thinking what do you call it because if you quit something you go cold turkey so if you decide on something to do is i don't know is that warm turkey or <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah i think that is usually what most people battle with is they they see a race on TV or they hear a friend that did this amazing uh, marathon or uh, triathlon or whatever, and they're like, yes, I'll never be able to do that. Um, and then maybe it becomes half an idea and they're like, yes, but where do I start? I don't have the money for it. I don't have the time for it. So I think uh, when, when I started, um, I tried not to look at, at it as this big mountain. I just said, you know what, obviously that the goal is six months from now, so my first big task was that uh, marathon in 2017. I'm not going to look at 42 kilometers now, I'm going to look at 5Ks tomorrow, and I'm going to look at 10Ks in four weeks from now, for argument's sake. So I think at the beginning, breaking it down into smaller goals um, helps you to start with little little bits of momentum, and all of a sudden you do a 5K and you're like, yes, okay, what? that wasn't that bad. And the same thing with the triathlons as well is um, like uh, doing our swim in the ocean this morning. I wasn't in the mood for it because I thought the water is going to be too cold. But then every time when I go in there with the wetsuit, then it, you know what? Actually, the water that it's that cold is not the biggest issue. It was more the the seagrass that I swam into. Um, so every time you just make that small promise and you keep it to yourself, uh, you've got a little bit more momentum. Christine? I, the idea came to me... When I think it was about 2009 or 2010, Virgin Active started hosting mini indoor triathlons as a way oh. to get people involved in the gym and kind of create some vibe. And I, I'll never forget my first triathlon in inverted commas was one of those. And I, I've still got my certificate with my time on it. I can't really remember the distances. It was at Morningside Virgin Active in Gauteng. Um, and it was obviously a swim first, um, and then it, I think it was about 20 k's on the bike, and then a 4k run or something like that. So that was my first introduction to it, and I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. Like so often you see these very serious looking 
real athletes by the pool and then they like head out for a cycle or something and then they come back and they run as well so I thought wow like they look so serious like that looks like something I would like to do um they really look like they know what they're doing and they look quite professional in their tight lycra outfits you know and um so I wanted to get involved in that and at that time there was the BSG series was a, a quite a big a big deal across the country particularly in Gauteng and so I dabbled in that and I started swimming as part of my, my running training and then started doing spinning. I didn't have a bike. Um, I'd never really cycled. Like I cycled as a kid, I suppose, and tried a mountain bike race at some point um, about 10 years ago as well and absolutely hated it. My pedals kept falling off. It was just, no, it was terrible. And um, I thought, gee, I don't know if I'm ready for this whole triathlon thing and then I joined Greenstone Hill Running Club um, and a large part of that group there were only about 10 of us in the beginning in the whole running club but they all did half Ironman and they were busy training for half Ironman I think it was 2013 and um, I joined their group and the next thing I know I'd entered half Ironman and PE um, so I really very quickly had to buy a bike um, a wetsuit so I borrowed a wetsuit for the first year or two years I actually used a friend of mine's wetsuit that she'd used for Ironman um, and I bought a 4,000 rand bike with a bonus I got from where I was working at that time and then yeah I figured out like this whole world of buying a bike is I mean that's maybe a topic for another day completely. Oh, yes, but, um, so yeah, quickly figured out that cle that cleats could be my best friend. Um, yeah, went into it a bit blindly to be honest, but um, I saved up very quickly, big borrowed and stole from from people that were already doing the sport. And yeah, I, half Ironman and PE. I mean, in East London was my first my first triathlon ever. The BSG I entered before that in January was rained out completely in the Vol, um, near Paris somewhere. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, mine was a very quick transition from the time I decided to do something bigger than a, than a virgin active triathlon indoors. So, yeah, that was my start and then kind of steamrolled from there, I guess. That's interesting. And I'm just listening to you both. Um, I mean, shout out with you having the, 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 my favorite saying, by the way, one of my favorite sayings is how do you eat an elephant? And that's, and that's one bite at a time, obviously. Yeah. And, and taking that approach of just one small bite at a time and, and, and growing as you go from there. And with you, Christine, also, you know, kind of what I'm hearing is that you joined like-minded people who supported mm -hmm. you. I mean, besides obviously your commitment, you, you joined like-minded people that, kept you going and that helped you go in the right direction. And that was very similar for me um, because I had no idea where to start. I mean, where do you start? I, I definitely knew at the time I wasn't a good enough runner. Um, as I said before, I thought I was pretty good on a bicycle. And I'm, I'm quite okay on a bicycle. I've spent a lot of years cycling, so I'm okay on a bicycle. And I kind of knew how to swim, so it was all okay, but my running needed help. And uh, and so what I did was, um, I mean, I, I, I figured out very, so I started running. I started putting all of my energy into running. And, uh, and I figured I needed to work on my weakest uh, discipline. of the disciplines yeah. first. 
And and that's when I found out very quickly that um, through a sedentary lifestyle with, with all of these jobs that had had me desk bound for so many years and, uh, and you know, not exercising, I realized, and then cycling, um, which just shortens your hamstrings so terribly. I realized that I had a, a serious problem with my hamstrings and they were, they were just not strong enough. And so I started having ITB pain and, and all kinds of things. And, and so then I needed to do some remedial work and, and I went into CrossFit and I, and, I, and I worked on building my strength up and building my muscle strength and, and, uh, and just getting my, my body into a better condition. And at the same time, I'd still run and cycle and and um, and swim from time to time. But but for me, I almost parked Ironman for for a couple of years, for a few years. And then when I decided to to really get serious about Ironman, I started speaking to the people that I knew had done Ironman before. And uh, and it turns out a a client of mine, a guy that I'd coached, uh, uh, an executive that I'd coached. Um, one of the things we were talking about in the coaching was should he stay in his, his corporate job or should he leave? And he ended up leaving. And not only did he end up leaving, but he ended up buying a house literally 500 meters away from where I live right now. And uh, and he and I were chatting the one day and uh, in the catch-up and I realized that he'd done Ironman. So I said to him, well, you know, let's go for a run sometime and, and you can tell me about it. And that's what I did to get started is, and, and he and I became good mates because now we, we run, we, we did the half Ironman together. Um, we literally started and finished that race together and, and we become good friends now. And, and that's what I did. I, I try to find people who could guide me because it's so daunting. I mean, you know, when you talk about wetsuits, Christine, I've got, I don't know, about five different wetsuits here, but they're all scuba diving wetsuits. <laughs> None of them are going to help me in an Ironman. Um, I've got bicycles, but then, you know, that becomes a science and a, and a whole expense train of its own. Um, and then where do you start with running shoes? So yeah. I, I needed to find people that were like-minded and uh, that could help me figure it out, but also that could motivate me every day. Because it was quite awesome knowing three times a week that I'd wake up and run up the road and meet Paul and that we'd, we'd run together. And, and even now then, I've got, so where I've decided to shift into a coaching environment, one of the, one of the decisions I made was to go with a coaching program that wasn't just an online coaching program that, that had a, a person sitting behind an app mm -hmm. that I never really interacted with. But I, I found a coach who actually trains with the squad and he has a squad and, and we all train together and we're like-minded and it turns out a great bunch of guys too. And, um, and that's what I needed to get going, just to kind of find my way through the maze. And I spent a lot of time on Pinterest. <laughs> you know, you'll be amazed at what, what, uh, what stuff you can find. I mean, my story is similar, but also different in, in some circumstances. So when I decided I'm going to do Ironman, which was somewhere in December last year, um, I'm somebody that does things quite meticulous, but uh, I commit to it quite quickly. Um, so my idea was in, at the end of 2018 to only do Ironman in 2020, but I still wanted to do one triathlon in 2019 already. 
Um, the reason obviously was from a budget perspective and I, obviously the listeners out there, I think that's most of the guys' concerns is you hear about a 120,000 Rand bike and you hear about a 8,000 Rand wetsuit and a coach is going to cost you X, Y, and Z. So my initial reason why I wanted to wait so long was I needed time to save up money for all of this. Just, I mean, the entry, the trip there, et cetera, all of these type of things. So it was idea that started, but I was committed. So I started to swim at the beginning of uh, January. I was already quite active, obviously running, um, but I all of a sudden threw swimming and cycling into my um, my gymming or my my exercising program. And I was also a regular gymmer. I, I went to the gym every day as well while I was doing running. So all of a sudden, I found myself after three weeks of having no idea what I'm doing, but maybe swimming in the mornings going for a gym session after the swim and then running in the afternoons and maybe the next day will be a, a swim in the mornings with a bike session afterwards and then gymming in the evenings and after three weeks i was like dead tired um because i thought the more i do the more prepared i'm going to be and then somebody also a family friend that has done ironman before started chatting with him and he said you know what you need to get a coach and again my initial thought was yes this guy's going to charge me an arm and a leg I don't know if I'm going to do this, but it, yeah, ended up being a very nice guy. We just went for a coffee. He gave me an idea of what it's all about. And um, I think the biggest obstacle for me was to, to not be too afraid of the financial implications. But I think the starting point is definitely joining a coach. And like you said, the right type of coach. Um, that's sitting behind an automated algorithm training program. Um, that can't answer those um, nitty-gritty questions that you might have. It's maybe not the best route to go. Um, and yeah, a couple of weeks later, I was in a much comfortable position. For me, in terms, like once I decided, okay, I'm going to start doing triathlons. Like, and I'll be completely honest, my first half Ironman, I ended up in hospital um, in East London. I um, had like severe diarrhea for three days. I was dehydrated. I, don't, I was on. I had ECG tests done. I think it's ECG tests for like three days, um, and I completely messed up my first experience at half Ironman. And I sold my bike a week later. Um, I'd gone into it very as as a complete amateur and thought I could just do what everyone else in the triathlon group I was part of was doing. They were all experienced guys. They they had a plan. They'd conditioned themselves. Um, their training was streaks ahead of me. I jumped into it far too quickly, and I and I should have put my ego aside, perhaps, or my pride, and then maybe spent more time on preparing for my first half Ironman. Um, so what I did was after I'd cried myself to sleep for about three weeks after that. <laughs> just out of complete embarrassment and shame, I suppose. Um, I bought my bike back. <laughs> the same one. <laughs> so, <laughs> didn't <play> more. <laughs> so um, I bought my bike back and I decided, okay, I need to really think hard. Like what, what do I need to do to be a better triathlete? Um, and I worked on this a lot myself, but I think a key learning for me was to really reach out to people that know more than you and and ask them the tough questions there's no there's nothing wrong with asking questions that might seem a bit silly people will help you so i started asking people doing a lot of research youtube was my best friend 
Um, yeah. I read everything. I used to go through all the athletes' guides of previous um, Ironman competitions, watched replays of everything on TV, wherever I could get my hands on. I tried to up, upskill and research um, as much as possible to become more educated. And then I realized, you know, one very important thing that I've benefited from is working on my weakest, weakest parts. So I knew I was weak at cycling. It was something I hated doing, and I probably was never doing enough of it to actually even attempt my first half Ironman. So I made a decision to join a cycling club that had cycles five days a week right next door to where I lived in Edenvale. And I joined that cycling group, and I spent probably two years cycling four mornings a week at four o'clock in the morning with them, and then every Saturday or every Sunday. And I decided that was going to be my focus area because my running was good enough to maintain and build mileage on. And my swimming, I only need to really do two swims, maybe three a week to maintain my fitness and improve in condition um, closer to race days. So I really did focus a lot of attention on what was my weakest discipline to try and get ahead. And I chose to ride with people that were better than me, um, faster than me, more experienced with me to push me to the level that I needed to be at. Then I joined um, uh, Dare to Try, which was, it's a gentleman called Derek as part of the JP Running Club in, in Joburg. And I joined his Dare to Try program, which was essentially a, a structure that I could work towards every month. He would send out a plan at the beginning of the month. I used to join their cycles on, on Saturdays or Sundays. And then I would work my runs and swims in as per his plan. But I could still connect with him and engage with him as well. So I started doing that. And then um, the best thing that I ever, ever did for my triathlon career, if you can call it that, especially when I realized how good I actually was at the shorter Olympic distance distances, um, especially when my cycling started improving, I suddenly jumped up like five or six places in my age group. So suddenly I was top three, top five. So I saw the benefits of, of what I was actually doing. And I, need, I knew I needed to push myself more now and in a different direction, perhaps, to try and harness the, the potential that I could see I had. So I went on um, Gerard de Brain's um, triathlon training camp in Clarence for seven days. It was the best, best experience I've had. I was the weakest in the group by a long shot, but we cycled hard every day at altitude. He taught me a lot about nutrition, um, and that's where my interest in, in being a nutrition coach was kind of motivated from or inspired from. I spent time with athletes that, I mean, they're very competitive athletes in the country at the moment, but there were also people like me there, which was cool. So you kind of don't feel like you're alone. Um, we rode really hard. We ran hard. We swam. Um, Gerard taught us a really, really awesome way of training for bricks where you go and do a, um, you start off, there's a little mini transition area and you all start off from there and you do a like a 10K loop. Then you jump off, um, do a transition into your running gear and then do, I think it was a 4K run. And we did that for like three hours. And that kind of practice, getting your cleats on and off, practicing transitions, it was so, so valuable for me. And I walked away from that week feeling... Like I'd just been given more opportunities to be to like strive for 
for what my greatness is in triathlon and really like harness the potential I had. And after that, um, I just got stronger and stronger for myself. Um, and I felt so much more confident because I kept looking back to that week and saying, well, wow, if I could get to the top of that hill and if I could do that ride, like, why can't I do this in a race? I mean, so it really, that really for me was a turning point. Um, and I also obviously through that whole process learned the value of bike fitting, consistent training, um, keeping that momentum going, recovery as well. That training camp taught me how to recover. I was one of those balls to the wall, like Herod said as well. I try to do everything 100% all the time. And that camp taught me the value and benefit that recovery and rest days can actually bring. So, um, yeah, that was yeah, 2013, 2014, early 2015. Um, but the lessons I've learned from there, um, I still apply now. So that was really a big turning point for me. But so just, I suppose, highlights the value of learning from learning from people that are experienced and knowledgeable and the value of a coach and also the value and you you highlighted it earlier as well just the value and the importance of surrounding yourself with people that are like you and that are doing the same sort of thing as you working towards that same similar type of goal but as you're speaking i was reminded of of you know, another part of the, the, the develop or the preparation that I did, which was um, also I spent, I think I, I'm driving my, my, my partner nuts with, uh, with YouTube. There's so many YouTube channels that I'm watching and, 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 and I'm making her watch. I keep saying to her, oh, look at this, look at this. And, and uh, I, I guess she's a, a triathlon Ironman expert, even though she's never done one <laughs> and, and isn't uh, aspiring to one yet. But, but I, I spent a lot of time on YouTube and so two things firstly the, the, the one was motivation the more that I was looking for information the more I found all these motivational mm. video clips and and for me that was very powerful um, but what that did for me was it caused a, a double it was a double-edged sword because on the one hand it was motivating to see you know like you were saying Christine all of these professional lycra clad wetsuits lean looking racing snakes um and uh and they're cracking out these amazing times and and uh, they just look superhuman and and watching these people and and it's it's very inspiring and of course there's always dramatic music and <laughs> perfect video and, and all of that and and i found that very motivating but then it started taking my goals from Okay, so I want to finish an Ironman to, to what Khalid, you and I were talking about before, and that is, okay, so what's the stretch? Yeah. So my mind is already at, okay, so in 2020, in March, I'm going to finish Ironman, because for me, that's a given. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to enjoy the day. That's going to be the party that we were talking about. And then what's next? And, and so then I started getting a little bit brave. So I sat down with my coach in, in, in my very first meeting with him, Mark, and uh, and I said to and he, and he said to me, "What are your goals?" So I said to him, "Well, I want to do Ironman PE 2020," and he said, "Okay." And what else? I said to him, "Well, I don't know. I mean, I know that it's quite arrogant for me to say this, but I'd like to go to Kona." And he said, "Okay, cool." And he didn't he didn't even blink. Mm. And I looked at him and I thought. 
either this guy is a, is a very good poker player or, <laughs> or he really believes I, I've got a shot under the right circumstances. So that was fun and, and, and we left it and, and, uh, and, and he was very supportive and, and so we got going and, and he and I have been speaking along the way and the one thing that I've learned, it's, it's the biggest lesson that I've learned since I, I did, so it's the lesson I learned in June doing the half in Durban and, uh, and now and that is that patience is your biggest ally mm-hmm. in this whole journey. Because all along, you know, now we've started speaking about it more openly. I'm, I'm not as guarded about saying, well, I want to go to Kona. And then I don't know if I'll ever get there, right? But it's a goal. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, he, and he said to me, whatever you think your journey is going to be in Ironman, you've got to add on three years. Mm. He says it's going to take you at least three years to, to get from wherever you are now to the competitive stage but that's what the right preparation and the right work and dedication and mm. all of all the right puzzle pieces in place. Mm. It's going to take at least three years to get to the place where I could consider competing for a slotted Kona. And so that just changed my whole perspective of the sport because suddenly mm. it wasn't about one race anymore. Exactly. It's about a lifetime almost journey that I'm stepping into if I'm up for it. Mm. And you look at any competitive sports person or someone that does exceptionally well and competes at a high level in whatever sport they choose, they don't just get there. They don't just end up there. It's a, it's really is a journey. I mean, people that win Comrades Golds or that win um, Ironman South Africa, they don't just get there in their first race. Like there's a journey of heartache and disappointment and lots of failure that comes before that always. And Absolutely. we just don't get to see that because they just like, you know, it's just not one of those stories that's really shared unless it's a edited kind of documentary on TV that gets screened. Exactly. Uh, the, the saying I like is that um, it took me years and years to be an overnight success. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and no, nobody sees that uh, four o'clock wake up in the mornings going for a training session and passing out next to the field or, or wherever you are. What I like about all of these stories that's coming out, and I'm hoping the listeners picks it up as well, is that there's all of these different obstacles that we had. It was either budget, it was either are we fit enough, it was either do I have enough time. And the more you throw yourself into this, the more you you find a way. I mean, if you don't have Mm. money to buy a bike, go and join the gym and go on on a watt bike or a a spinning bike. If If you don't know how to train and you don't have the money for a coach at least reach out to like youtube or online programs blogs there's a lot of tools out there that can give you advice to to just start and like you said renzo with regards to your ultimate goal is at least three three years worth of training um even if it takes you a year or two to just get to a point where you can um, enter your first uh, mini triathlon at least it's something that you work towards. And, um, and I, I think we shouldn't be afraid of dreaming big. Uh, your dreams should be audacious. You should be um, aiming for uh, Pluto and then worst case scenario, hit the stars. But it's still much better than what you were off beforehand. Um, and I think that's, that's why, especially at the level that we are now, 
it's it's not scary to think of something like a Kona. It is like, well, if, if I want to go to the ultimate of Ironman, and obviously that, that is Kona. And, and if yeah. you, you probably never thought you'll be able to do half Ironman and look what you did in June. Exactly. It's, it's just we, we shouldn't be afraid of, of, of dreaming big and be afraid of other people telling us, no, that, that's impossible. Only 10% of the, the world's population can do it. Just, just go out and, and try. So, Herbert, the, the point that you made is probably the most important that I've picked up in what we've been saying so far. Because I've been making a list while we're talking of, so, so what does it take to get started? And, and we've spoken about having the right information or finding the right information, having a support structure having motivation, having patience, or, or developing patience. Um, but what you just said, Khaled, I think tops everything because it's about commitment. Yeah. Because it's, unless, I think Ironman uh, is one of those, those not I think, it's 100% clear. Um, Ironman is one of those achievements that requires 100% commitment. You can't be half in. There's no half pregnant when it comes to, to Ironman. You're either in or you're not. Because you need to make a, an absolute commitment to the training so that you can get the right quality of training done. Uh, you have to be 100% in committed to source the money mm. or to source the resources until you get the money mm. so that the training can start. Um, whatever it is, because I mean, Ironman is not a cheap sport. That, that, you know, we just got to say that. Even if you do have a four thousand rand bicycle and and a, a one thousand rand pair of shoes and and you and you borrow a wetsuit, I mean, just the entry fee alone, and then traveling to to the Ironman venues um, is quite a stretch. So you've got to be committed. Mm. You've got to have the commitment in place. Otherwise, it's just going to fall away. Yeah, yeah. No, what? What you do sometimes find is that um, people's initial um, ambition is shut down because of the task at hand seeming too big, either from a budget perspective or fitness perspective. And I think all three of us started um, with smaller smaller ambitions, um, which at that stage was like an Ironman. Uh, maybe a 5K, 5K run was as big as an Ironman. Um, no. but but it it starts somewhere and i think the more you get involved in in growing yourself uh obviously you get more hungry and and it eventually evolves into something bigger um but you know what the types of people that you meet along the way i think is what carries you to to greatness and um i mean just sitting here and chatting with the two of you I'm already getting excited about imagining us us crossing that finish line and, and, and cheering afterwards. And you sometimes, not to, to be cocky or anything, you sometimes just need to imagine that um, crossing that finish line, um, just almost like tasting that victory because that also gives you some motivation to, to, talk, to start this whole journey. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I think, I mean, budget for me has always been a very big um a, a very big part of of planning for triathlons and being a triathlete it's always been something that i've needed to to plan for and prepare for um the financial outlay of, of taking part in the sport and i think for me my, my biggest learning out of that process is that don't ever like if you need where you need to spend money in my opinion is on a proper bike fit 
and honor some sort of coached, structured plan to get you there. I think those two things are probably two of the most important things that you could spend money on. So you don't have to have a tri-suit. Yes, it's a nice to have, in my opinion, but you can do a triathlon without a tri-suit in the beginning. You don't have to have one. It's not a necessity, but having a bike that is not set up correctly for you and that it's not doesn't fit you properly, that will be detrimental to your success and to your training and to your health and to your motivation levels. So I think for me, that's a, a massive part of of what you should spend money on if you need to spend money to start off. If you have to choose one thing to spend money on, that's what I would spend money on first. No, absolutely. I mean, I don't have a wetsuit. And I, so I'm speaking about Kona. I don't have a wetsuit. Mm. Uh, not yet. Um, I borrowed a wetsuit for my um, my Durban half. And uh, let's see what happens for PE. Um, mm. You know, maybe by then financially things will be that I can. I mean, I have a budget that mm. I'm working to. And, uh, you know, being self-employed throws its own challenges into the mix there. So, so uh, you know, maybe I'll borrow a wetsuit again. Mm. And, but but 100%. I mean, I don't have a triathlon bike. I've got a very fortunate. I've got a very good road quality, uh, very good quality road bike, which um, was because of insurance. Mm. <laughs> um, so I, I didn't lay out that that money, but but you know I have that nonetheless. Um, but but I think it's important what you're saying, Christine, that you don't have to look at this massive financial mountain and go oh no i can't afford a six thousand rand wetsuit and a hundred twenty thousand rand bicycle and a and you know like a three thousand rand pair of running shoes and then there's all the swimming stuff apparently the racing the latest swimming racing suits are like six thousand rand as well um but that's top of the range i guess i mean and, and you know then there's tri suits and all of that i you don't need to do one of that you really don't i, I think they they the bicycle fit, spending good money on that. And it cost me in Johannesburg 750 Rand a couple of years ago to have a, a professional bike fit done. Mm. And um, to have the bike fit done and um, to find a coach that suits you, I think that's brilliant. That's such a great starting point. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, before we now f- uh, finish off and, and draw to an end, um, I want to use myself as an example because I gave myself a year and a half to find the money to go to Ironman in PE. Um, and I started to be proactive and open myself up to the people around me, gaining their knowledge and experience and and being honest with this journey that I'm embarking on. Um, and <laughs> before I knew it, I mean, I decided this in December last year by March I was in a position that I had a TT bike, which my coach gave to me, which I was, uh, uh, I'm going to say, to, thanks to him, I was able to to pay off as and when I could. Um, so all of a sudden I had a bike that I didn't thought I'm going to have for the, at least the first year. Um, he had an old pair of cycling shoes that I had. At the beginning, I was riding with my tackies on a TT bike, which was probably one of the funniest <laughs> things that most <laughs> people saw. Uh, I mean, Christine found a, a very nice um, uh, Blue 70 wetsuit for 700 bucks on uh, Gumtree or somewhere. Mm. So that sorted me out for that. Um, I still had old Speedo goggles from when I did the Midmar Mile back in 2012. Uh, old swimming cap as well. With uh, So 
it literally, if I needed to do the budget, I was all of a sudden in a position to actually go to the starting line. Obviously, I wasn't ready uh, physically, but I had enough gear just with like-minded people around me saying, yes, this is awesome. We really want to help you. You can see you're, you're ambitious and you want to do this. We're also just as passionate. So that takes me back to my comment earlier is, is reach out to the people around you. Get involved with squads and groups, etc. that... Um, has been through this because they know how tough it is and and you, you never know um there's always this pay it forward system where if somebody helps you next time you can help somebody else um, and i think uh, the type of people that we do meet that has done ironman before that they, they've they've got that same mentality so so don't be scared of of reaching out i think that's an important point and, and, and something that i've i've found is that the triathlon community is incredibly generous mm. It, it, it's uh, so so. There's always someone who's got advice or a solution for you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, this this was awesome. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that's going to give the listeners uh, quite a lot to think about. And yeah, please, guys, if you have any other questions with regards to how to get started, reach out to us. And if we don't know the answer, we'll try and go and find out uh, for you and, and point you in the right direction. Absolutely. Have a lecker one. Thank you. And uh, and if you like this podcast, then please don't forget to, to subscribe and follow us and, and get the next one. And you can catch us on social media too. You'll find the links in our uh, in, in the bio. And we look forward to chatting to you again. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye.